2: And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
3: So let's uh, move on and get to the details in our opening drive. It's time for the opening opening drive. Okay, so we alluded to it a little bit. Dan, I, I think that this has the makings as much as you want to... Uh, you know, keep an even keel here, and we're going to. But it does have the makings to be a, one of those kind of victories that causes you to rethink this entire season. And that's one end of it. I think you, it, it, it was so convincing and so thorough and so, uh, I, I think, just overwhelming in terms of the way yeah. they controlled the line of scrimmage. It makes you wonder... Not necessarily where this has been, because I think we understand what went on to get to this point, but where this could be headed.
0: Well, that's it. Right. And and so that, that, that I think is is fascinating in a week like this, because now you have to turn the page quickly. Right. And you have to go on the road again in a couple of days to go play the Dallas Cowboys in their building with a defense that can take you apart. And I picked the Commanders two weeks ago to beat the Bears because I was worried about how a young team would handle preparation in a short week. This is a little bit longer than that, but it's still a short week that's going to be very demanding on how quickly you can reset and refocus and get yourself absorbed into a new game plan, right? That is going to require you to be very sharp and efficient and crisp to be able to, to, to keep Dan Quinn and Micah Parsons and the rest of that, that Cowboys defense at bay. And so this is going to be fascinating to see what they can do with this. Listen, you know what locker rooms are like after wins like Monday nights, right? There's a a level of satisfaction, a level of understandable jubilance, but in the Bears locker room on Monday night, there was also an understanding that, look, we know who we are right now and we're not going to get out over our skis and start attaching bigger picture significance to this than there was. Cole Komet was asked, hey, is this a turning point? And he said, look, (laughs) slow down, right? Like, pump the brakes, let's not get out in front of ourselves and start calling every little bit of success we have a turning point, but it certainly had the feeling of an effort that can be rep and if it can be replicated and become consistent, now all of a sudden you're climbing the stairs to becoming relevant again. And that's where I think this week now has to be a stair climb, right? You can't be generating this momentum, David, and then all of a sudden stumbling back four steps where a week from now we're talking about them getting drubbed in Dallas and all of this being
3: left behind so quickly good point it's it's it definitely you need some perspective just like if things were were bad and they got trounced you'd have the same sort of cautionary words so you, you i appreciated what you had to write on chicagotribune.com <laughs> um i wrote my column on 670 the score.com i think everyone's going to have their takeaways this i guess generally speaking is is the way that uh i, I look at what happened on monday night in foxborough is that did not expect the bears to look like a team on the rise. And then it was unmistakable that this looked like a team that may not have all the talent yet. They certainly don't have all the holds filled yet. We've been talking about what they have in terms of offseason cap space and draft capital. And there are some people still out there maybe want them to tank to get a better <laughs> draft pick. But I do think what I took away from them being able to beat the Patriots as, as soundly as they did, and to do it in the fashion that they did. This looks like a team that understands and embraces coaching. And I love how Matt Eberflus explained it. And I from being a, a Midwestern guy, a son of the Mac, and listen, he's speaking my <laughs> language, and, and I and I'm I'm just, you know, as transparent as I can be, he talked about practice and he talked about individual Sessions being longer, and he talked about the relationship between the position coach and the player, and how that is the core of every good football team. And I'm telling you what, Dan, this stuff is corny. It is old fashioned, but you know what? I felt like last night proved it's also working.
0: Yeah, it, but but so it, it's being able to 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 put this in a strainer, right, and sift out the corn and see what comes into the bowl beneath it, right? And I think there's some real substance to some of this stuff. And and I wrote down in my notes. I'm glad you brought it up day after game for me, like uh, I can show you here that there are so many notes written in so many different pockets of my piece of paper, because there's so many things to talk about. And one of the things I wrote down was Matt's sort of emphasis on this position coach player relationship as a foundation of things that he's trying to build inside house hall. And that's all about how do we get guys to focus every single day of the week on the, on the fundamentals and techniques that we're teaching them so that when moments come in a game, they can execute those right. And, and, and corny or not corny, that is a, a formula for succeeding at a high level in this league. Now, you need talent. You need guys who, who who do this on an everyday basis to get to the highest levels here. But I think part of leadership, David, is providing direction. And I think the one thing that I've been thoroughly impressed with Matt Eberflu since he got here is the fact that he is so very specific and clear with the direction he gives his players and his coaches. And and you see results in, in moments like Monday, and you say, okay, you know, use this as fuel to get you where you ultimately want to go.
3: That's the word too, leadership. The Bears yeah. needed his kind of leadership. And the one thing about being a good leader is you have to be consistent, you have to be structured, you have to be. Uh, organized. And you have to be who you are. And that's the one thing I really appreciate about what Matt Eberflus has been so far through seven games or through eight months or what, however long it's been. This is a guy who is true to himself and whoever he is, a 52 years old, first-time NFL head coach. And Dan, that's why uh, there were a lot of plays that stood out. And there's some great <laughs> stuff that we'll talk yeah. about, the sidearm throw, this and that. I have to say, the one play that I found myself smiling, I caught myself smiling at was fourth and two, 25 seconds left. The Bears took a <laughs> knee. The Bears took a knee because they didn't need to prove anything. They didn't need to show off. And he was asked about that on Monday after the game. Matt Eberflux, why didn't you try to score down there? A lot of coaches might have, done. We all have seen examples where guys would have. And he just said his respect for the game. And he shrugged. Well, and that's... I, I love that about the way this Bears season, the way this Bears coaching staff is structured. They're just doing their jobs, and they have a respect for every step along the way.
0: I'll push back on you a little bit on that one because they did try to score on first, second, and third down on that same series inside inside the 10-yard line, and Tristan Ebner just couldn't take any of his three chances across the goal line. As that was unfolding, you know, I, I, we had made our way down at the two-minute warning into the tunnel uh, to watch the rest of it up on the on the, the screen given where that game was at. And and I think there was a, a general sense that wow wouldn't it be really cool if the Bears could tack 40 on Belichick in okay, Gillette Payton. Gillette Lab Stadium. Okay, no, I Payton. mean like yeah. look like it would have been look like you and I don't talk about 30 point outings ever, right? Like right, the last right. time the Bears scored 30 was in December of twenty twenty against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that's how long it goes. I was walking out of the uh Stadium in in, in New Jersey after the Bears lost to the Giants, right? They they didn't score a touchdown the whole day. It was I what what was the final of that? 20 to 12, 23 to 12, somewhere in there, right? And Mark Potash and I were talking about wouldn't it be cool one week to go into a locker room and have to ask a team about like the third or the fourth touchdown that they had in the game? (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like these basic things. And last night one of those you said it at the start of this segment that that, that there were just there were moments you you've got a a a list on your, your play sheet if we could talk about this for three minutes. We could talk about this for there there were so many moments that where the Bears' offense, defense, and special teams made big plays where you go, wow, that's what winning football looks like, where you can't even choose which one you want to get to because there's too many on the menu, right? And so you've got to just kind of be selective and, and, and highlight a handful.
3: I do think that you're right. They tried to score in first, second, and third down. <laughs> that was kind of in the context of the game. Sure. And, the, the, and I understand that. So anyway, but, but I thought that was a good moment. All right, so the game itself, I think with the Bears – reminded us of a couple things. Number one, they can run the football on anybody. Not that the Patriots are going to be one of the top defenses in the league, but they are better than what they have seen. And they still got 243 yards rushing. Secondly, they're improving the way they stopped the run, Dan. 26 points in the last two games for that defense. And Justin Jones had a big night in this this, uh, run defense that I thought would struggle against the Patriots running game did not. The third thing, the big thing, I think, was the Bears are unbelievably more stable at the quarterback position than the Patriots were. And the <laughs> Patriots started the wrong guy. Bill Belichick made the wrong call. And that doesn't happen often, but when it does, you have to take advantage, and it, they did. And the last thing, I think, was the Bears were dominant in all phases, and that includes the special teams. There wasn't that mistake that cost them uh, in a big way, Dante Pettis provided some security, and Cairo Santos. My yeah. goodness, he's automatic.
0: So we may, we may. I'll, I'll, I'll save some of my thoughts on Cairo for for a little bit later in the podcast because I think there's a, a spot to to honor him here. But you're right, the Bears were uh, efficient in all three phases, and and m- as impressive as anything, David was when Bailey Zappi comes in and gives them that 14 to 10 lead, right? And you get that spark, and you get that surge within three minutes where you have. You know the, the 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 stadium's alive, and 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 your upstart quarterback is doing the things that the 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 crowd was chanting for him to do, and then all of a sudden the Bears responded, right? That response drive that they had after they went down fourteen to ten, and, and went on a seventy-five yard march and put the ball in the end zone and took the lead back. As it turned out, took the lead back for the rest of the night was an enormous show of 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 resilience from a team that I think everyone kind of felt like when 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 the Patriots scored that second touchdown it was like uh-oh here we go again right this is one of those classic Bears primetime games where this thing just unravels on them it's embarrassing you've got two high profile broadcasters to tell the the entire nation how embarrassing this is and and, and on my rewatch on, on on Tuesday morning David I was just stunned because how often do we get a Troy Aikman Joe Buck game where where Troy Aikman is just gushing about what he's seeing from the Chicago Bears. And it was just notable. You're sitting there and you're going, man, he's right. He's right. There's some really, really solid play here. And and it's worth highlighting. And it's, it, it's, I think for the Bears' sake, it's a confidence builder. And it's really cool that it came on that stage because it it lets the rest of the world know that there's something, uh, there's something here. Now they've just got to unearth it more consistently.
3: To that end, before we get to game balls, I would add this. Troy Aikman has suffered through a lot of bad (laughs) Bears football. And we have heard the disgust in his voice, haven't we? We have heard the disappointment that he has uh, described the Bears and what this is, Matt Nagy's doing, or even going further back than that. And this is what he said last night during the game about the victory. Quote, this is the type of game that can really change the trajectory of an organization. Now, is that... Is that exaggeration? Is that anything more than uh, an opportunity? No, I mean, we're not saying that they have done anything yet, but to have somebody who isn't prone to hyperbole, somebody who doesn't exaggerate, put it in that context, I think it underscores exactly what we were watching.
0: Well, and he said can, he didn't say will, right? And so now it's up to the bears to turn can into will. And let's see what they can do with that. Uh, I, I did want to pick your brain on this before we get to game balls. The Belichick conundrum here uh, fascinates me because I think Bill Belichick has kind of caught himself in a lie here in, in, in terms of what his plans were for Monday night, what his plans are going forward. And because he's always so weird and invasive and strategically weird and evasive, I think he's almost basically fashioned himself a trap that he himself stepped in. And now he's got to figure out how to rewind his locker room back when you're telling people, Oh yeah, we were going to take Mac out at some point anyway. Uh, and then you tell Lisa Salters at halftime that Mac's going to play in the second half. And then he doesn't play in the second half. And now you've got a full blown quarterback controversy in your hands you have a last place football team in the AFC East, which I don't know the last time that the, the Patriots this deep into a season were were looking up at three other teams in their division the way they are now. And so you, you just got, you've just got you just got a crisis, right? I mean, you do have a crisis in, in, in New England, and I just don't know uh, if it wasn't a crisis that they kind of made for themselves because the head coach was trying to get too cute and too weird.
3: Bill Belichick on Monday night in that explanation joined – Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers as three NFL lo- legends who have never looked older or sounded yep. older. This guy stepped in it. He said he told somebody then he didn't tell somebody. The whole <laughs> locker room was divided on who knew what, when, and who was going to play. He did tell well, Lisa Salters apparently. Now you're not ever you're not under oath when you're talking to sideline reporters, but you like to have some credibility. He doesn't need it, but come on, you're right. So he has created the mess that he has to go back to practice and face whenever they resume. That is uh, the Patriots problem. I just never thought we would get to the point where we're talking about a Bears Patriots game and the Bears walk out of Gillette stadium, head home, to Chicago and they of the two teams have the more stable quarterback situation.
0: I mean, it's incredible and and we'll see where they go with it. But again, i just, again, I use the word stunning at the outset of this podcast because you walked out of that building last night and you're like, what did I see? Like, there was no way that when I parked the car here in this lot before the game that I expected to walk out of there with a 19 point, Bears victory and, and and the way that they did it right score the final 23 points of the game and absolutely manhandle the Patriots for the entire second half. They had no answers. And, and so now the Bears have something that they can build on.
3: All right. Time to give out our game balls. Let's bring in ace producer Adam Studzinski who reminds us that the Bears are actually the number one rushing team in the NFL after seven games. Boy, that's quite a stat, studs. I don't know if that's where you're going with your game ball, but you could pick a lot <laughs> of plays. Not going to try to tell you what to do, but that is quite a statistic. Number one overall, have they, this is I'm thinking out loud here. Have the Bears ever led the league in rushing? It's been a while, hasn't it?
0: It seems like uh, a homework assignment for 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 me, unless you've already done
3: it, studs.
1: I'll I'll check it out after after we do game balls here. I'll see the last time they led the league in rushing. It's probably been a while, but yeah, they, I I had that pointed out to me last night. They're after the two hundred and forty three yard performance. They have the most total rushing yards in the league after seven games. So I thought that was pretty impressive. But for game balls, uh, it 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 is kind of in the rushing direction. But I, I got to go with Justin Fields after this one. And you know, da- David, excuse me, on your. 670 to score.com column. You said it was probably the best game of his career. And I was thinking about that. And I think if we're looking at the complete game, this is the first time we've seen him play largely in control with the exception of, you know, a few plays here and there for an entire game. He was calm. He was collected. He was better in the pocket. Not perfect. He's far from a perfect game, but they ran the entire offense through him. Another stat that really stood out to me was Justin Fields had 261 yards accounted for between passing yards and rushing yards in the game. The Patriots had 260 net offensive yards. So Justin Fields outgained the Patriots by himself (laughs) last night. That's a great (laughs) stat. And so I, so that really blew me away. So I think, you know, game balls, like Justin Fields needed this game badly. I think people that, believe Justin Fields is going to be the Bears franchise quarterback going forward wanted like needed to see this kind of game badly I'm one of them so yeah I, I'm giving my game balls to Justin Fields because I mean he's a huge reason that they won the game last night.
3: Studs, so before we move on to our choices I, just real quick Dan you talked about your experience we talked about you know just the uh, living through it covering the game or whatever the case. Studs was on the air at 3 a.m. Taking, like, right, immediately after, and I think this got very interesting because this is one of those games where the reaction was almost as newsworthy as the event because of people hadn't felt like that in a very long time. Studs, quickly, how would you describe the state of Bears fans at 3 in the morning following <laughs> you? At- <laughs> well, you know, it's <laughs> you're funny. At, you're taking calls at 6.70 the score and, yeah. and kind of kind of talking to people and giving them your take.
1: So it's funny. I was obviously excited and, you know, running on of general and I hadn't slept. And because I, I had in the middle of the Bears game, this is a funny story, middle of the Bears game, I had to go play a football game and then come <laughs> back home and and watch the and, and rewatch the second half, basically. And then I went straight into the station. So anyway, the first call I got was a real Debbie Downer. The guy was like poo pooing the game. I'm like, come on, guy. <laughs> I'm not here for that. tonight. <laughs> so no, I, I largely it was just kind of just embracing a huge win. And, and, you know, I think Dan, what was your words after the game? It was an ass whooping. And, you know, we, we haven't seen a bears team do that. And, you know, they beat the Jags two years ago in in a,
0: you know, a butt whooping, you know, good for you. Yeah. It's it's usually the bottom of the barrel teams that they beat like that. And and this was not right. And, and so it, it takes you, it takes you a minute.
1: So yeah, it, it, and really like, you're still sitting here the next day and you're like, they really just kind of, Beat the New England Patriots thoroughly, and the Patriots aren't—they're not necessarily a good team this year. You know, you guys—you guys talked about it. They have a quarterback controversy on their hands, but I mean, out coaching and out playing a Bill Belichick coach team is nothing to to scoff at. So I think that a lot of people around the city are just kind of embracing. The way that I put it was: every win this this team gets this year, we need to embrace as fans and and. And take it in because we're not going to get a whole lot of them. And when no, they God just it. and when they just thoroughly beat Bill Belichick's team, you need to take a minute and say, "Yeah, that was a lot of fun." That's I did. I,
0: I did say to my colleague at the Tribune, Colleen Kane, I said, "Of course, that the Bears disheartening." embarrassing loss of the commanders came with 11 day break between games. And this one, there's four days before they got to jump right, back. action. <laughs> we got about, we got about 12 positive stories we could tell this week. And we only got three days to do it because of, uh, because of the way this, this quick turnaround goes, I had multiple candidates for my game ball. I'm going to start here. And then I'm going to turn it to you, David. And if I have to give a second game ball around on the back end, I will, but I'm giving mine to Quani B number nine, Jaquan Brisker, who <laughs> I wrote about in my column, uh, not only made his first career interception, but made his first career, career interception, three plays after taking a Mac Jones spike to the, ooh, ooh. <laughs> and, and so he had to come out of the game for one play, got back on the field and then not only made a great read on the ball that Mac Jones threw down the sideline to Johnny Smith, but then went up right and, and, and got it with one hand and said, he felt like he was back in his uh, basketball playing days where he was just going up for a rebound and grabbed it with one and then got the other one on it to, to secure it, just a really good play from a really good player who's ascending, and really cool to see him have that moment on that stage because I think everyone in that building right now at House Hall believes in where Jaquan Brisker is headed.
3: I think that's a good one. I think you've got Justin Fields represented offensively, Jaquan Brisker represented in the secondary. The secondary as a group had a terrific game, and the defense played well, and Brisker, as, uh, as Joe Buck said, he is a stud. He looks like a guy that's going to be here for a very long time. Okay, I'm going to go a little bit unorthodox then because uh, I'm going to give him a game ball because I don't want him to get overlooked. A guy who's been the source of a lot of criticism through six games and heading into seventh was Sam Mustafer. He got replaced and demoted. And it's not easy when a guy who has started 29 straight games gets replaced and demoted. And he's a proud guy. He's one of these guys that represents everything. He epitomizes yeah. the hits principle, doesn't he? I mean, yes. identify somebody in that locker room. Okay, you go represent the hits principle to the uh, Lake County, you know, Kiwanis, whatever the case. <laughs> you would want Sam Mustafer representing your organization. And he got benched. And then two series in, he got called on. Lucas Patrick went down, toe injury. Don't know how bad it is. We'll find out. Sam Mustafer. I like that he was honest after the game to our guy Bigsy in the 10th thoughts, ChicagoTribune.com. He said, I'm pissed. He did not like being demoted. He explained his state of mind. And you know what? He went to work anyway. It's a great lesson. He still epitomizes everything you want in the hits principle. He still is the consummate pro. I'm not saying he's a finished product. I don't even know if he's an asset. But I do know that he was part of an offensive line that is now uh, part of the number one rushing offense in the NFL, and he had to be called back into action to do the job under some difficult circumstances, and he did it. So, Sam Mustafer, I give you a game ball.
0: I like it, David, because, listen, the Bears had a couple bad drives in the early second quarter, and, and I'm sure your feed was just like mine with people being like, oh, it's because Mustafer's in. Oh, Mustapher's a bum. And then by the end of the night when they had a season I 33 points on the scoreboard, those people were quiet, didn't know where they went to. And so Sam Mustafer obviously wasn't uh, – preventing them from scoring 33 on a Monday night stage. I'm going to tack on a fourth game ball here because we've talked about this guy, but he deserves to get uh, a little bit of a a memento for his trophy case. Cairo Santos has not missed a field goal attempt all year. Uh, Four for four last night. The only two kicks he's missed were a pushed extra point and a pulled extra point in that monsoon in week one against the 49ers. The dude is awesome ultra reliable and automatic right now for the Bears. And you see it in the way that Luke Getze calls plays at times. They were a little bit conservative uh, a couple times on third down, but I actually in the press box said to people who were griping, like, this is what you do in this situation. When you've got third and long, just make this a little bit closer for Cairo. Take your three points Thank you, and move forward because you know it's automatic. And I guarantee you that if Luke Getze didn't have a kicker he believed in or that Matt Eberflus and Richard Hightower didn't believe in, they would have tried to Be a little bit more aggressive, but there's certain moments in games you say, "Let's get the points and let's put our defense back out there and roll." And when a guy's this automatic, the value to a team is 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 absolutely uh, unbelievable.
3: This is the public service announcement for all Bears fans out there and all analytics uh, lovers. I love analytics too, but you know what? The field goal is not a negative play. The field goal is not a negative play, and there were a couple times when you have a weapon. And, yes, Cairo Santos is a weapon. That's a great call. Then you can set up things where you don't have to punt, where you don't have to gamble. Take the three because in close games you're going to need the three. I think that's a great one.
0: Yeah, right before the 50-yard field goal, there was a third and eight, and they ran it to Montgomery for five yards. And I was cool with it because it's like a 50 yards. All right, we'll we'll, we'll take the three points from 50 yards, right, rather than taking a sack and having to punt and do those things. Those Those are big moments for a team that's learning to win games, and Cairo delivered again.